Welcome to The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast. You can find us on Facebook at The Old World Lives, on Instagram at The Old World Lives, and you can reach us by email at theoldworldlives at gmail.com. And now, on to the episode. Welcome to The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast. This is episode 7, and tonight we will have a pre-recorded Night Goblin Focus with Army Talk by Jimmy and Nicholas. But first, a bit of news. We have some lovely stuff up from Games Workshop this week, which is uh, the made-to-order Beastman. And that is Gortor the Beastlord on his nice chariot, Goros Warhoof, the Centigor Warhoof, the Wargore Standard Bearer that was only previously released with the Beastman army deal back in sometimes in the early noughties. And we got the Corn Gores and Pestigors with Command and Chaos Warhounds. It's really nice. And it's really, really nice that they have the limited edition one up there. I know people might have divided feelings about that one, but I for one really like it because they were rare back then and it's one of the best Beastman models there is according to me. And I'm just gonna hand this over to Jimmy Nicholas and we will speak again in the outro. It's just me and Jimmy here. Yeah, and today we're gonna talk about Night Goblins. Something that lies close to your heart. Oh yes, they quite do. I've always wanted to play Night Goblin Army. I, I never got around to do it back when I was young. I only stuck to orcs. Black is, orcs, yeah. This is the first time you were playing them? No, I, I have been playing with the unpainted models when the Skull Pass models came out. So I, I had a big mm. grey Night Goblin Army, but that was in 7th edition. But it's... I never got to try them out in 6th edition. I thought that you like the other guys who are like, ah, returning to your old army or something. But you've always played greenskins or what? Always green and mean. So uh, before we get into that, just talk about uh, what we've been up to and uh, what's going on in our hobby life. We're doing this one-week painting challenge. It was Chris's idea because he was going to paint an assassin. And then the rest of us tag along. You you tag along to paint some night comments because you got to paint. Oh, yeah. Shit, oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna paint over 300. 300 is a minimum, <laughs> but I think it will be a bit more. My first part of the challenge was I said like, well, let's let's paint 29 goblins. Nah, that's too easy. Make it 30. <laughs> yeah, and like I painted a lot of stuff. I think I've been doing pretty good in painting. I had like my over a thousand points ready for my kiss love. But and that looks swell. Thank you very much. But since you guys were doing this challenge, I thought oh, I might as well join you with something. Yeah, I painted up uh, five horse archers. And I made it. So you yeah. and I made our hobby goals. Yeah, congratulations to us. Yeah, as we're recording, it's still not midnight. So the other guys might show up some uh, finished guys. that we just have to get it done next week or something. Yeah, postpone everything. Yeah. Procrastination is the answer to everything. You guys are supposed to play next weekend, right? Yeah. We, we haven't made any real plans on what we're going to play, but I really want to go down to Stockholm and play. I'm going to bring yeah. uh, my Skaven or the uh, Empire Army that we have in our gaming basement. Awesome. Or maybe just both. And I will be playing next weekend as well here in England, next Friday. Ooh, nice! Who are we going to play against? The guy organizing the uh, Bringing Back 6th Edition event in March. Nice! Yes, it's going to be really interesting to just meet him and uh, awesome to play. With this Horse Archer unit, I now have 1,200 points painted. I don't think I'll be able to paint up two more units until then to have my <laughs> full list that I'll be playing later. 1,200 points may yeah. be good as well. Unless you just skip sleeping. 
sleep, yeah, sleep skip work just yeah skip work skip sleep skip <laughs> everything do not eat do not sleep just paint endlessly other than that we've been getting tons of uh, messages which is awesome the thing is like i've noticed that we've been kind of labeled as a sixth edition group and i mean right now we are very into sixth edition i would definitely not say that we are like a sixth edition only podcast you see you guys know this and I think in a few episodes we will have some eighth edition talk. It's Expect coming. some eighth edition Skaven talk from me. Yeah, and I'll be talking about my Chaos Wars. Sweet. Yeah. So, like, we are interested in eighth edition, yeah. definitely. But right now we're just doing this. At least New Year's, and then yeah, of course the the sixth edition event is next year. So gonna be like a lot of focus on that. But I think after New Year's, I'm gonna have some more focus on my Chaos Wars or eighth edition as well. As I already have my Skaven army up, up and ready to paint and play with. Uh, as I already have a, a paint, fully painted Skaven army, I don't need to paint, paint anything new for it. Except maybe some Plague Monks. Because I do have a Plague Furnace, yeah. but I need some Monks for them to be with. There goes just, for me selling my Monks. Just <laughs> yes. pick up and play. Yeah. I bet, think, I bet there's more 8th edition players. If you ask someone, hey, you want to play some fantasy? Oh yeah, just let me dust off my stuff then. They probably think you want to play 8th edition as well. Either 8th edition or 9th age. Everyone I know around here who plays with square bases plays 9th age. Me, myself, I'm not really interested in playing 9th age just yet, I think. It's because those players, they're not into the game for the lore. They want a good game to play. Which is why they should play 6th edition. Yeah, boy. 6th <laughs> yeah, right. edition and all the lore. We'll have the uh, we'll have this uh, talk in another episode, but as you know, like we will have some more discussion about different rule sets. But right now, yeah. in the beginning, we're just and mostly into as... the the background and lore, so we have some like some base to start off from. All right. So speaking of lore, we will be talking about night coldness this episode. So I'm just gonna leave it over to Jimmy to go through them. Thank you. So I'm gonna start with the history about the orcs and goblins. About 1500 before the Age of Sigmar, so to say, or the rule of Sigmar. So yeah, well, minus minus 1500 in, in the Imperial calendar. Yeah. There was a great migration of all the greenskins over the whole world. And uh, this is where the first goblins started to settle into mountains uh, as they were fleeing from orc, orcs and, uh, well, it... it it, the mountains were such a great place to hide from the big brutes. Does it and... say where they were migrating from? No, it's it, they just started move all over. Anyhow, these goblins who settled into the mountains and the holes everywhere, from generation to generation, they started to develop a certain need to be underground. And uh, goblins who hid underground got sensitive to light so they had to, to wear a very extremely dark or black colored robes to help them from hide from the sun makes this sense came from, they're fungus yeah and uh, this is from generations of goblins they're like a goblin subspecies so to say they are very different from normal goblins yeah so could you go through like the different subspecies of goblins as well we have we have our normal goblins, common goblins, I'd say. We have the night goblins. We have gnoblars, who are also known as hill goblins. 
who are strong back and leg goblins, so to say. They they are very good at carrying stuff, but they're still slightly smaller than common goblins, so to say. And they are easily noticeable by their big noses and their lightly blue-greenish skin. And then we have the hobgoblins, the traitors of the green-skinned race. <laughs> the best goblins. No, we hate them. They are a bit more like human-like. They're a bit bigger. Yeah. A bit like rounder bellies and smaller yeah. noses. And they, as far as I, I, I haven't read much about the hobgoblins, except that I know that they, they do work in kind of symbiosis with the chaos dwarfs. They, yeah, they're, they're like I they're. They, I think they sold out the other green skins to them. Yes, slaves. They're they're like the the house slaves of the chaos dwarfs. So yeah, they're they're treated better and they get to fight for the chaos dwarfs. Anyhow, th- this is how the night goblin subspecies came to be from generations of living underground. And what is a night goblin really? Well, it is a very scrawny little green git carrying his big black hoods, robes and stuff, often hiding a knife somewhere able to backstab your enemies. And uh, they have uh, superb night vision as they are, as they live underground, they f- often fight underground. So they are really, really good tunnel fighters. And uh, their uh, most common enemies are the Skaven and the Dwarves. Yeah, other tunnel living beings. They live all over the old world. Well, all over the world, actually. As long as there's a mountain, there, there's bound to be a tribe of night goblins there. And they often take over dwarf keeps, of course. It's an already established place. It's it's dark, it's dank, when there's no stunties there. And uh, it's a great place to cultivate new mushrooms. So like, where they have been developed in the lore is mostly the World Edge Mountains and the Grey Mountains, because that's where most of the focus of the other races have been. So most of the known night goblin tribes are in those mountain ranges. Yeah, uh, the most known is the Crooked Moon tribe, which is led by the in- infamous warlord Skarsnik, who has a pet squig gobla. Skarsnik's a nice guy. I'll get to him later, though. Red also that, like, talking about subspecies of goblins. Even the other goblins think that the night goblins are a bit crazy. Yeah, they think so. As uh, the, Before the night goblins go to war, they always get drunk on fungus beer. This is a fun thing. In in the rules, I think they talked about that their higher initiative is because they're drunk, but their lower leadership is because, yeah, they're drunk. Isn't that the, the whole point of getting soldiers drunk before fights, that they would have greater leadership? I suppose it would be, but they get braver in one kind of way. So I think it's just that they care to get out in the sun or something. Because I read in the rules, like, all the Night Goblin guys have one lower leadership than the, the regular goblins. They do. Leadership five. Initiative three is so to strike before dwarves. That's let's get a count for something. As I said earlier, the night goblins are great tunnel fighters. And to wage the kind of war in the tunnels, they often use these things called squigs, which is a being let's say it's uh, half flesh, half fungi. It's just a big angry ball full of teeth it just want to jump onto you and eat you up and then jump to the next thing and eat it up squigs are utterly crazy is it just the night goblins who use them or do other goblins use them as well night goblins only use them and uh, they uh, try to tame them 
squigs have a really short-term memory, and they often forget what the... Well, if I hit a squig, it might listen to me. But five seconds later, it might forget what happens if it tries to bite me again, and it will try to bite me again. And I keep hitting it with my stick until it stops trying to eat me. But it will keep forgetting this thing that if I try to bite this guy, he will hit me. They just don't remember it. Is it just the Nikons use them because they live in only in tunnels yeah. or because yeah. they are the only ones crazy enough to? The night goblins are the ones who cultivate them, so to say. All right. As all, all the green skin species and subspecies come from fungi. And the night goblins cultivate squigs for everyday use. I okay. think normal goblins might be able to cultivate them, but that's only for food. Night goblins, on the other hand, use them for war. We have even crazier night goblins. There are those who, who hunt the squigs and herd them into battle, but then there are those who ride onto them into battle. These are the squig hoppers, who just sit upon the squig and cling for the dear lives and hope they won't get eaten by the squig they ride. There are a lot of crazy things. They're all in insane. The... Yeah, they are quite insane, which brings me to... Well, uh, as, as we mentioned earlier, uh, the night goblins often drink this fungus beer. Then there's, uh, well, let's say it's a, it's a stronger brew made from the deadly madcap mushroom. And when you drink it, you become uncontrollably strong and crazy. And those goblins who drink this, they give a ball and a chain and you into the enemy. And these are the goblins known as fanatics. They will spin madly with this ball and chain until either they die from being tired or their arms fall off. An incredibly iconic unit. Yeah, it's truly iconic for the Night Goblins. But when, when did they release those guys? Was it in 6th edition or was it earlier? It, it, it was earlier. Uh, I have some, I think it's 4th edition models that I'm going to use for my army. And I think there was Night Goblins, well, well Night Goblin uh, fanatics before that even. Goblin stuff in general is pretty random, but like everything yeah. in a Night Goblin Everything, army, everything just, Night Goblin is totally crazy. It's, it's utterly crazy. Either it will hurt me or it will hurt you. But it will hurt equally. Whenever I was trying to think, okay, how, how should I battle this? Just let it be. They will turn upon my goblins sooner or later. Night goblins have other kind of crazy things that I use. In 8th edition, they released the squigoba, which is a gigantic squig that they put smaller squigs into the mouth on and prod it until it spits them out. And I think they put some kind of oil onto them, so it tastes generally bad. So the giant squig won't swallow them. So they come in all sizes and all kinds of warfare. Makes sense. There's, yeah, and there's even a colossal squig. They still have it on Forge World. It's yeah, the one sprinting forward, right? Yeah, it's a huge model. It's like uh, biggest giant. It's it's a lovely thing. But I don't think it would fit into the caves. Well, I suppose the caves are kind of big in the old world. Yeah, especially if the dwarves built them. They yeah. Spots. Oh, yeah. So another like iconic unit that you see with Night Goblins is the, the stone trolls, right? Yeah. As or they live in the mountains, I'm going to paint mine blue when I get to them. It's a nice uh, hue on them, so to say. Well, the stone trolls, they get rock-hard skin from eating stone and rocks as their, their everyday meal. They eat stone and rock. Their skin gets all rocky-like, and they are prone to survive magical attacks easier from this. And in, 
Well, if, if, if we're going to talk rules in later editions, they get scaly skin from this, but they don't have it in 6th edition, which is about Oh, they don't? No, it's just magic resistance. All right, but they have a regeneration, don't they? Yeah, all kinds of trolls have regeneration. So that's like a thing you read always with trolls, that even yeah. though they stab them, they just regrow really fast. Yeah. Cut their head off, it might grow back. <laughs> So even though the night goblins themselves are really weak, they have a lot of a lot of crazy things. And uh, normal night goblins often comes with clubs, daggers, swords, goblinish axes. I think uh, spears. They're very very good short bows. And what are the most important things? The nets. They use weighted nets to hunt squigs down. But more often than not, the squigs are still able to run, even though the netter have caught them. The netters are dragged around by the crazy wild squig until it's tired enough to be tamed, so to say, by one of the clubbers. Which is the thing I like with the orcs and goblins. Uh, in, in the older editions, you have the speci- specific units who were the netters and the specific units who who were the squig herders who had prodders and clubs so they could club the squigs into submission if they misbehaved. The thing about Nikon is they're a bit of comic relief. They're very ridiculous. But at the same time, they are vicious murderers and they stab you in your eye. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are so sneaky. They are are really, really sneaky for being goblins as as, as they have to skulk around in the tunnels. Hiding away from wild squigs and other goblins. It's not easy being green. And you know that if you're fighting them and they're like, if they're positioned on the battlefield, you gotta count on that they have a plan because they won't fight if they can't fight dirty. Exactly. Much like the Skaven, actually. So that's what I like with those two races that I have in common. They fight dirty and they never <laughs> fight in even numbers. There's bound to be thousands of goblins on a battlefield. At least hundreds in your case. Yeah, in my case, it's going to be hundreds. I might imagine it being several outside the battlefield. So it's like zooming in. Just waiting for the the battle to turn in their favor before coming on. The night goblins are often led by big bosses, bosses and uh, warlords, who is the most ferocious and most sneakily backstabbing git there is in a tribe. (laughs) To get up, you get a stick in in the back with a dagger. Night Goblin bosses, war bosses, are ferocious for being goblins. I mean, as, uh, as, as with all other kind of greenskins, the more you fight, the more you grow. So a Night Goblin big boss or war boss are, they are slightly bigger, and I mean slightly bigger than the normal goblins. They will never reach the size of an orc. Uh, there's only one goblin who did that, and it was Grom the Ponch. A really nice fat bloke, but he's a common goblin, so let's stop talking about him. Isn't the like night goblins? They're a bit shorter than regular goblins, right? To start with. Yeah, they are. Then we have the shamans. Those are the the ones who cultivate all the mushrooms that the night goblins use for their everyday uses. They know which uh, mushrooms to eat, which ones to use uh, for poisonous brews, which ones to use for magical brews, which ones to use for the fungus beer. And uh, they almost always use these small green glowing mushrooms, I think it was, uh, that they use for magic. Yeah, it's pretty funny. There are actual magic mushrooms. Yeah, you gotta eat them. 
to make use of them. <laughs> yeah. Crazy night goblins. Yeah. Yeah. They're, <laughs> like, they're, they're just sure. Re- reading through their lore is just <laughs> hilarious. And I, and I love that these magic mushrooms can be used in game by the night goblin shamans and great shamans too. So in the game, you have like the Lord Night Goblin. Yeah, the Lord is called a Night Goblin Warlord or War Boss, the Night Goblin Great Shaman. Then we have the Hero Varieties, the Night Goblin Big Boss, and the Night Goblin Shaman. The War Boss might not be a great fighter like other races lords would be. Mighty weapon skill of five. Yeah. <laughs> Strength and toughness four, which is common. Three wounds, common. Four attacks. Yeah. Leadership seven. And that's the Lord choice, right? Yeah, that's a lord choice for 55 points. Oh, he's, cheaper. he's cheaper than most heroes, and I love this fact about the goblin characters. Like, why would you take that guy? Like, what does he bring to the army instead of, like, a, a sorcerer? The leadership of seven. That's it. <laughs> that's right. it. So the, the good choice would actually be to use a night goblin great shaman because the goblin magic, it's amazing. Yeah, they have two two lores of their they own, have, right? They have, they have, they have, yeah, they have uh, lore of Little Wa and the lore of Big Wa. Yeah. And uh, in, uh, I think it's in 8th edition, they they made that only goblins use Little Wa and only orcs use the Big Wa. And I think in 7th edition, level 1, no, no, it's, it's in this edition, 6th edition. Uh, level one and two shamans of both orcs and goblins can use little wa, and the level three and four can use the spells of the big wa. All right, that's cool. Yeah. So, and uh, if you're a lord choice, you can take two two spells from either one from one and three from the other, and mix and match how however you want. And there are some good spells for goblins in here. Like, uh, it doesn't make the units fight better. It just makes you able to kill the enemies from afar. Do they have the, the, the foot of uh, Gork? Yeah. Uh, in the spells of the Big War, you have the foot of Gork. So you can stomp once upon a unit. And then you have the Gork's Warpath. So you can stomp several times. After you stomp, you roll a d6. On a 4+, plus, you can stomp on another unit. <laughs> Do I have stories to tell about this kind of spell? Oh, God. Yeah, I heard it's pretty good. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. All right. So So what else to say about the goblins, the crazy gits? Yeah, I don't know. Like, if we talk more about their history, you would have to go into, like, specific battles with the goblins. Yeah, as uh, as the goblins are tribal kind of species, they don't have much of a history for trading or yada yada. They don't have great cities, they don't have great things. The yeah. only thing that matters in greenskin history is battles, the yeah. ones you won. When you read about goblins, it's like, oh, they had this relationship with that place, or they had this relationship with that nation, and then this guy was king. It's like, no, they just like dispersed all over the mountains. And like the major happenings in their history is when pretty much when they overthrown uh, a dwarf hold, or make enemies with other greenskin tribes, which which might lead them into a hundred or maybe a thousand years of war between two rival tribes. But that's yeah. that's about it. But there are lots and lots of uh, known tribes. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we have the Crooked Moon tribe. We have uh, the Bloody Spears tribe. The Red Scabs tribe. That's the tribe I'm playing. Like the reason you're 
have to build like 300 night goblins and i'm painting up some stuff now it's because we're gonna play for christmas so we have like a background set for that i was gonna talk a little I'll just mention the religion of the night goblins like all green skins they worship gork and mork well as they are goblins they mostly worship mork the cunning but brutal god but they also worship a thing they call the bad moon which is i think they see it as an aspect of mork a big leering moon which is why they often use this moon as an icon on kind of everything so that's all the night goblins not just the all night goblins use moons and there are also other deities like the giant spider god that the forest goblins worship. Now we're going to talk a bit about the different options in the game that the night goblins have. Yes, and I'm going to start off with the normal night goblins, actually. They have uh, a, a stat line close to the common goblins. Movement 4, weapon skill 2, ballistic skill 3, strength and toughness 3, 1 wound, initiative 3. One attack and leadership five. So this is a night goblin. They have the rule animosity. And they have fear elves unless they outnumbered them two to one. Is this all goblins this is, that have fear elves or is it just all, the night goblins? All goblins have fear elves. It's because they stink funny. They use perfume. They are clean. So they stink because they don't stink. Goblins uh, are not used to that stuff. <laughs> exactly. Then all night goblins have the rule hate dwarves. Because... Dwarves are their old subterranean rivals. Yeah. So when fighting dwarves, they have hatred. The feeling is mutual. Dwarves have hate greenskins. The night goblins, they go for two points each. So they're kind of expensive, if you ask me. This is the sixth edition book, mind you. They get cheaper in later books. They don't go below two points, though. This is the upgrades yeah. that are cheaper, right? Yeah. Night goblins comes with a hand weapon and shield. That's a basic gear. They can add a spear for one point, or I change their shields for short bows for one point. They can also upgrade nets in the units, and netters are a one-use-only weapon, which they attack with in initiative step 10, I think, or just they use them before anyone strikes and attacks. If they hit with the net, the model they use a net on loses one attack. So this might lead to some models not attacking at all because they are tangled in nets. And uh, once the netter is used, you replace him with another model or make a note, I used my net, so. I read up on this because I had to know my enemy. If you do use nets against cavalry, the opposing player gets to decide which attack you lose. So if you use it against my cavalry, then I can decide that the horse won't strike. Yeah, but you want horses to strike because it's an unwritten rule that the steed is always better than the than the rider, <laughs> and this I this is fact when you look at wolf riders because wolves are better statistically than the goblins. What's the minimum unit size of the night goblins? The minimum unit size is twenty, so you're always bound to have a, quite a few night goblins in a list. And uh, night goblin units can conceal up to three fanatics, and fanatics they are crazy. Crazy, crazy kids. The Night Goblins can also have a musician, standard bearer, or a boss. The uh, musician is cheap too, four points. The standard bearer and the boss is eight points each. All right. Then we have the next unit, which is Night Goblins Wing Herders. Gotta ask, can they take uh, magic banners? 
No, they cannot. So unless you use the appendix army, then one unit can have a magic banner worth 50 points. Squig herds. This is kind of mixed unit. They have normal night goblins and then they have squigs. Squigs have a movement value of 2d6, but when they move along with goblins, they use the goblins movement. They have weapon skill 4, ballistic skill 3, strength 5, so they're kind of strong, toughness 3, one wound, initiative 3, two attacks and leadership three. So when they attack, it's bound to hurt. These move along in a herd, like in a formation with the goblin herders behind them. And then these walk forward and then either the goblins flee and they get released or you voluntarily yeah. release them, right? No, the squig hoppers I can release. If the okay. unit flees, all the squigs and squig hoppers are counted as loose squigs. And loose squigs is what's dangerous. You can't lose the squigs yourself? No. Only the squig hoppers. All right. So, and squig hoppers is a specific upgrade for the unit. Because so, I assumed that it was a bomb, and then you swap yeah. forward, and then you release them. You guys actually attack yeah. as a formation? All yeah, right. they do. Like I said, when they flee, all the squigs bounce around, and they wreak havoc. The points for these guys, it's two points for a night goblin, 14 points for a squig, and 18 points for a squig hopper. And the difference between a squig hopper and a squig is the movement when they are loose squigs, so to say. It's 2d6, and then it's random for loose squigs, and yeah. you get to choose for squig hoppers, right? Yes, exactly. And once they make contact with the unit, they get to attack, and then they bounce off before the enemies attack again. And uh, if you're lucky enough, you can bounce between several units and attack them on and on and on again. Until you roll a double. If you roll a double on a normal squig, it explodes from excitement. And if you roll a double on a squig hopper, the squig eats the rider and moves yeah. on as a loose squig instead of a squig hopper. Squigs, they're immune to psychology. They don't care about anything. They're just hungry. Is there a ratio Do you have to abide when building this unit? Can you take just an entire unit of squig hoppers? No, I cannot. Uh, there is for every goblin, every goblin can handle three squigs. And for every three squigs, I can have a squig hopper. If I can start with a unit of only squigs, but then they're going to bound to be loose squigs when the battle starts. Yeah. Just want to interject this. Uh, yeah. We didn't really say this before, but yeah, now you're listing the Night Goblin units uh, yeah. only. But when you build an Orcs and Goblin army, you can pick anything from the book. Oh, you, yeah. don't, you don't have to just take only Night Goblin stuff. Okay. Jim is just doing it because of the theme. Yeah. Love Night Goblin. Yeah, but you could mix in like Regular orcs and some night goblins yeah. or black orcs or regular goblins, yeah. wolf riders or whatever you want. Yeah, it's common to see other green skills fighting alongside a, a night goblin tribe. Anything yeah. else? Just uh, joining forces to bully someone else. The squig herds are also bound by the animosity special rule. The night goblins still hate dwarfs. When you flee, like we mentioned earlier, if a squig herder unit flees, either from panic or from a charge reaction, all the squigs will be loose squigs. So they will bounce around randomly. And uh, most often than not, the squigs will eat each other up as they are in such a tight formation. As they will strike the first thing they come in contact with. So if you're lucky, all the squigs might survive and not eat anything. Or you might end up with like three or four squigs, depending on the size of your unit. Yeah, ticking bomb waiting to explode. An expensive ticking bomb. Yeah, it's like... It's a unit in your army, right? Yeah, it is. Unless uh, unless I 
take the trolls into account. The next unit will be the upgrade Night Goblin Fanatics. The Fanatics, they have a movement value of 2d6, strength 5, toughness 3, 1 wound, initiative 3, d6 attacks, and leadership 10. These guys don't fight normally. First of all, they are concealed in a unit. I make a note in my roster where they hide, and whenever I want, I can release them, and then they bounce out 2d6 from my unit. Or whenever an enemy unit is within 8 inches, I am forced to let them out. And then when you do, place them, and then you place them next to the unit, wherever you run, or in the side, or in the back, then you pick a direction, yeah. and then it goes forward 2d6. Yes. When I used to play in 7th edition, there was a common tactic to place them in the back of the unit and push them through the unit. So you kind of slingshot them onto your front. Yeah, so they would just stand right in front of you. Yeah. So that if the enemy charged you, yeah. then they would just end up on top of the fanatic and it would wreak havoc. Yep. When a night goblin hits his target, they make d6 hits, strength 5, with no armor saves. That and is think, brutal. Yeah, it is. And they are allocated as shooting attacks. Then you have the rule splat. When you roll a double, except when you release them, something goes horribly wrong. Either they might spin so hard that die from exhaustion drop their arms, or they might tangle themselves into the chain, the model is removed from play. Any further movement for, for the fanatics is 2d6 in a random direction using a scatter die. And if they move into any kind of terrain, they will go splat. So they can't go up hills, they can't go over fences, it needs to be open ground. Yeah, so as you guys have figured out right now, the Night Goblin army is just a bunch of cowards and then Kelly stuff lying on all the random directions. Even though they have leadership 10, they are unbreakable and they cannot be beaten or even fought in close combat. To get rid of a fanatic, you either need to shoot it and uh, the greenskin side can also shoot at it, even though it's a friendly model, because they don't care about the, about, about the fanatics. They know they're the kind of havoc they can wreck in their own ranks so they are more than willing to kill them if they get close enough and the enemy can shoot him of course use magic of course and then they can stand on the unit if an enemy unit walks onto a fanatic and stops on it it will attack twice so it will be 2d6 attacks then it will die as they overwhelm him Give him players put your slaves on them it's a cheap way to get rid of them yeah, it's going to be very devastating for my Lancers. Oh yes, I hope so. Because they're like, even though, though they're on horses, they're still as tough as three. So they won't be two plus, and they won't get any armor. They're just all going to die. So you got to lure them out. The next unit I'm going to go through is trolls, as it's trolls are a common sight in uh, Night Goblin armies, especially the stone trolls. Trolls have a movement of six, weapon skill three, ballistic skill of one. They can shoot, but they have no weapons to shoot with. Strength 5, toughness 4, 3 wounds, initiative 1, so they're kind of slow. 3 attacks and leadership 4, and they go on 50 points apiece. Trolls cause fear, they have stupidity, and they have the rule regeneration. So before combat resolution, you roll a 4 up for every wound you took on the unit, even for dead models. And for every 4 up, get a wound back. Dead trolls might get to stand back up, but they do not get to fight. Traditions, it's just a 4 up save. These guys, they're very fast and very strong. They're leadership four, you say? Yeah, so you gotta stick them close to, to the general. So this is why the leadership seven war boss is so important. All right. Because they still have to take all the leadership tests that regular units have to take, right? Yeah, they do. It's but crazy. Uh, they won't have to take panic tests from goblin units as yeah, science matters. 
trolls also have this special attack they can make, which is a troll vomit. This is an uh, automatic hit on a model in base contact, which strength five ignores armor save because uh, it's acidic vomit, so you will melt. It's frozen down. And uh, you can upgrade trolls. Five For five points, they can become stone trolls and get medic resistance too. You can also have river trolls for 10 points and the enemy get a minus one to hit them in close combat. Shamans. They are the spellcasters. Start at level one, can upgrade to level two. They are 55 points. No, 60 points for Night Goblin Shaman. They have similar stat lines like a normal goblin, except their wounds characteristic is two instead of one. Otherwise, it's exactly the same. And it can have up to 50 points of magic items. And the Night Goblin Big Boss, which is the cheapest hero in the book, He's got to ask, can the yeah. spellcaster, can he be upgraded to level 2? Yes, he can. 35 points. The big boss, 30 points. Movement, 4. Weapon skill, 4. So he's a good fighter. Mm-hmm. Ballast skill, 3. He can't have any kind of missile weapons, though. Strength and toughness, 4. 2 wounds, initiative, 4. 3 attacks, and leadership, 6. It's pretty so, good. Good for 30 points. Can he take magic items as well? Yes, he can take up to 50 points of magic items. He can wear <laughs> light armor for 2 points or a shield for 2 points. He can also take an additional hand weapon for 4 points or a great axe at 4 points. So he can have magic items worth more than himself. Are you going to run these guys? They seem pretty good with uh, strength and toughness 4. Yeah, uh, I'm going to run a few of them. Uh, most likely with great weapons. Yeah. Every time I face anyone using green skins, their heroes are faster than mine, except when I'm playing dwarves. But great weapons is... I imagine that goblin big bosses are tough goblins. They are big. They want to fight. They still want to fight dirty, so they want to hang around their goblin fellows. But great weapons will give them... Uh, strength 6? Yeah, strength 6. So yeah. And enemies often have fancy armor and such. And I can't have fancy armor. And there aren't any fa- really fancy magic weapons for goblins or greenskins at all. The most common sight is if, if you use an unorc warboss, give him a great axe, strength 6, 7 if it's a black orc. So black orcs smashes chariots with their normal attacks. Really, really brutal. So just I got asked because you picked up the, those new night goblins for... Where I'm uh, around the world. Yes. And uh, I'm going to convert the squig herder from that box into a big boss using his prodder, cut it off, and give him a moon sickle at the top, so it's a great axe. Is that the guy with the, the, the armor? Yeah, it is. That's I'm cool. not going to use his head, um, and I'm going to remove his cold thingy on his back or shoulders, yeah. so he will have an armor and a great axe. Yeah, you were very excited when that box dropped, I remember that. Yeah. Great uh, conversion material for all kinds of characters. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to throw in all the bow goblins into several units yeah. and fi- try to find the use of the netter. I think I will put him on a on two bases, so he will count as two netters, because he is kind of big. His net stretches out to the side so far, so he would take up the slot of two, two right. goblins. You could uh, like model on a night goblin hanging on to the net in the air. Ooh. So he's like throwing the net and yeah. a goblin hanging on like for dear life. Nice, nice. I like this idea. Yeah, I'm looking forward to what you're doing with these guys. Uh, Yemi is like the greatest warmer converter in the team, at least. One Thanks. of the best I've seen, Thanks. but definitely the best converter in our team. 
Thank you. I forgot to mention, the shaman also start with one mushroom, a magic mushroom that he can use to <laughs> cast spells. But you decide to use it before you roll your casting roll. And if this mushroom dice is a one, you get a miscast. And great shamans have d3 pieces. So I will move on to the great shamans. Greensky magic is brutal, so the shaman has to have brutal stat lines. Night Goblin Shaman, 160 points. Movement 4, Weapon Skill 2, Police Skill 3, Strength 3, and Toughness 4, so he will survive. He has 3 wounds, Initiative 3, 1 attack, and Leadership 6. He starts as a level 3 wizard and can be upgraded to a level 4 for 35 points. And uh, he can also have up to 100 points of magical items. It's pretty expensive, 160 points. I think it's kind of cheap for a level 3. Big war spells must be pretty good as well, right? Yeah, they are. They are both combat spells and movement spells in there. Yeah. So the, I think it's a good The Greenskins only use that lore, or can they also use the standard lores? They only use their own lore. All right. So it's only the big or little war. Then we will move on to the Night Goblin War Boss. 55 mighty points with a movement of 4, weapon skill 5, police skill 3, strength and toughness 4. Three wounds, initiative five, four attacks, and leadership seven. So he's the most brave git of them all. Yeah, it's pretty good, actually. Yeah, I think now, so. I they, think about it. All, all the stat lines are kind of the same in 7th and 8th edition. But then we have the big thing to use. If you play Night Goblins in the later editions, you have Scar Stinking Gobla. And I think you have leadership eight. That's really good Madness. for Goblin. And you have all other special rules too, like you roll a, a, a dice for every enemy unit before deployment. On a one, they have to walk onto table on their first turn. So <laughs> if you're lucky, the enemy cannon had to walk on. <laughs> it's a really, really good. So what's the explanation behind that? You have sneaky tactics. He might have squig traps or some kind of right. booby trap to make the enemy enemies late. <laughs> yeah, the goblin war boss, anyhow. Like the big boss, he can have a hand weapon or a great, an extra hand weapon or a great axe for six points for either upgrade. He can have a light armor for three points and carry a shield for three points. And he can also have magic items for a value up to 100 points. So are there any magic items that are worth giving to him? I always like to give the war, war boss the iron skin shield. It's a 50 point upgrade. It counts as a shield, but it's the only thing that gives anyone a four-up word save. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to keep the, the general alive. So that's a must on my war boss. Then we have two other things that I think is really, really good to have on Night Goblins. It's a Bad Moon banner, a 60-point banner for Night Goblin Battle Sander Bears only. And the unit gets Starborn. This is really important too, as and I will most likely put this one with the general. His unit needs to stay. Then we have the Madcap Mushrooms, also on Night Goblins only. 30 points. This is an enchanted item. Many kinds of fungus grow in the dark, dank caves of the Night Goblins, including the rare and treasured Madcap Mushroom. These form part of the deadly brew that sends the fanatics wild, but only a small part. If they get a whole one, they will go really mad. If the character is with a unit of Night Goblins, when their fanatics are released, they may give them a Madcap Mushroom before they go whirling off. If they hit the unit from either side, on the turn they are released, they suffer 2d6 hits instead of the usual 1d6. (laughs) Subsequent units encountered by these fanatics are struck by 1d6 hits as usual. I think this is a must for every self-loving Night Goblin player. How much was this upgrade? 30 points. 30 points. Then we have... 
uh, staff, which I think is really, really good on any shaman, though I will use it on a goblin, night goblin. It is Dido's Double Doing Dudas. It's a staff that costs 25 points. Rumor has it that the age and half blind Ditto wasn't a very successful shaman, and he had to cast every spell twice to make it work, at least work on the right target. The bearer may attempt to cast each of his spells up to twice per friendly magic phase instead of just once. Each attempt requires dice as normal. The doodas simply allows the, him to use his power more than once. So being able to cast like spells like Brain Bursta twice. And Brain Bursta is 24 inches, 2d6 strength 4 hits. And doing this twice can be devastating. Yeah. Or maybe cast uh, Gork's Warpath twice. Now that we know what kind of units you can take if you want to build like a knight golden army, instead yeah. you can still mix it. But this is what you'll be building from, right? These units. Yeah. And then I think I might add giants too. And some rock clubbers for the yeah. siege power. Yeah. Right? I will use uh, the war engines from the goblins. Just use knight goblins as crew members. So we've, we're still making out the plans, but yeah. and in a massive siege battle where I will be defending with 1500 points against Jimmy's 3,000 points. Yeah. Do you have like planned solidly what you will have for 3,000 points or do you have like a general idea? I don't have it. The, the only thing that I have decided though that I will use is the 300 Night Goblins. <laughs> and uh, I will have three Siege Towers, you know, squigs with squig hoppers. And uh, I think I will try to build one of the siege towers into either a moon or something that looks <laughs> squiggly. So Maybe. there might be squigs in the siege tower. <laughs> it would be hilarious. Squigs yes. on the on the, the walls of the citadel. Just a yeah. bunch of goblins. Squigs for sure. Siege towers. Yeah. And then possibly some rock lovers. I haven't decided if I want to use a giant or trolls. I am... Um, I'm leaning towards the giant. Yeah. The trolls might be in earlier battles. Giant would be really cool for siege. Just, yeah. just hitting and, the uh, gates. Yeah. And if I can get my if I get time, I might build three giants. As I have the Albion Giants from the Dogs of War army list. Awesome. I just need new hands for one of them. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. Yeah. Oh yeah. There, there there's one magic item that I think is a must on any goblin unit too. Yeah. It's a talisman. Sisla's shiny baubles, 35 points. Sisla was one of the less lucky orc shamans of Asag's army and was turned into amethyst by an empire wizard at the Battle of Osterwell. All that survived the transformation was a small pouch containing Sisla's most treasured possessions, his shiny baubles. If you fail to roll a dispel on an enemy spell, and if this spell is casted on the bearer of the item, of course, or the unit he is in, or you just choose to not try to dispel, then you may attempt to reflect it back at the caster. Oh, cool. Yeah. may even do this if the spell was cast with a resistible force. You roll a d6 for each spell. On a 1, to 2, or 3, the shiny bubbles do nothing, and the spell takes effect as normal. But on a 4+, the spell is reflected back at the caster with all the normal effects. The original caster may make one attempt to dispel his own spell, unless it was cast with, with irresistible force just as if it had been cast at him. He may use power dice to dispel his own magic item, his, his spell, or magic items. This spell scrolls as normal. One use only as well? No. You can do this, you can do, do this all, all the time. Wow, that's For like... 35 points. That's so good, because not only is yeah, it I just know. like immunity half the time, but it also makes the enemy like, well, if I cast this in this unit, then yeah. there's a 50-50 chance I'm going to get hit by myself. Yeah, they have some really, really nice things in here. 
that I really like. And uh, there's also one that is uh, very important to have. It's an enchanted item. It's Gutsla's Backbone Brew, 35 points. Brewed from a dangerous narcotic mushrooms with extra cheat spit. And most importantly, <laughs> added backbone. Gutsla's Brew is the closest thing a green skin could get to a courage in a bottle. And uh, this is one use only thing. Character who carries this most potent of potions can take a swig when he or the unit he is with is about to take a leadership test. The leadership value is immediately boosted up to 10 when the test is taken. Unfortunately, the effect of the brew is most momentarily and the character's leadership value returns to normal thereafter. Gustav's backbone brew can only be gustled once, so you only get to use the leadership once. Still awesome. Yeah, so you get a leadership of 10 and you get to use all the reroll bonuses you might get from spell effects or battle standard bears. This is a good thing to use for night goblins as we know they have a max leadership of seven yeah that would be great to put in like a, a smaller war boss that's that you really need yeah. to hold on for a turn exactly how long did it last the, the entire turn or just that, that that one leadership test all right it's going to be really interesting to see your army grow you just posted some pictures today and you Promises all that you will yeah. keep this tempo up and get yep. 30 done a week. Yep. Is there might enough be even time? more, but is, yeah, if I... Might be even more since it's like, that would be 10 weeks. Do we have 10 weeks? 10 weeks. If I do 30 a week, it, it should suffice. Just in time, but I you think... also have to do other things as well, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the good thing is the other things, they will most likely be done in a day. Like, I want to paint this giant, he will be done in a day. I want to paint this troll unit, they will be done in a day. I want to yeah. paint these characters, I will paint all characters in a day. And when you say this, the listeners might think that, oh, he's just going to paint them to really shit quality. But from the ones I saw you paint this week, I mean, they were really good looking, even though they took very little time. When I paint my other things, uh, I, I will, of of course, paint them better. But these are night goblins. It's like the, the thing I put most time on was the shields and their faces. So the robes are just like dry brushed with two layers of uh, gray and then I put black on on uh, some spots again so to hide some of the dry brush they looked really good you guys can go and see it on our facebook page or on our instagram also yeah follow us on our instagram we're getting a bunch of followers and we will follow you back if you post stuff on square bases like yes. whenever we get likes they just go in to see like oh who's this guy and if they have square bases i'll follow you back anything old world on round bases is, is okay but square bases is preferable all right, I think that was it for our Goblin book. Not a lot of like concrete events in Goblin history. They're just always sneaky bastards. Sneaky bastards and battles, battles, battles. Yeah, probably if we're going to do like a dwarf focus, then we'll go into some major battles. So, like The Goblins fight a lot, but I don't think that they care as much about the battles that they fought. Like, they won't record it as thoroughly as the dwarves do. The only battle that matters is the next one. So that was a nice and short summary of the Night Goblins, and I hope you've enjoyed this focus. If there's anything that you want to know more about, or that maybe we got wrong, please send a message in to us on all of our social medias. And uh, just want to mention that our next episode will be a hobby episode. We've asked you listeners to send in questions uh, regarding the hobby, and we will be answering this in the next episode, and there's still time to send some in, at least for a few days more. The deadline will be on November 22nd, and that's pretty much it. See you guys in the next episode. Time may have ended, and the realm of elves, dwarf and man shattered. 
but in our hearts the old world liveth.